Welcome to La Mezcla Latina, where we discuss all things music, culture, career, and lifestyle regarding the Latinx community. I'm your host, Dominica, and I can't wait to chat in this week's episode. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn more about La Mezcla Más Pura. Hi everyone, welcome back to a new episode of La Mezcla Latina. Today I'm joined by Dahlia and I'm so excited to have you on because you have such a different perspective of the Latin community and also you've done so much with your life. I know we were just chatting about that. So I can't wait to hear your perspective, but do you want to introduce yourself to everyone? Yes, thank you so much for having me, first of all. My name is Dahlia Motmena. Um, I'm originally from Saudi Arabia, but I'm also from the Philippines. And I grew up in a coastal city called Jeddah in Saudi Arabia up until high school. And then I went to do my undergraduate studies at um, uh, in the States at the University of Virginia. Wow. Okay, wait. So you're local too, because I'm from the DMV. So I went to UMD. Amazing. We're basically neighbors. <laughs> yeah, literally you were so close and we didn't even know it. <laughs> so you said that your mom is Filipina or she has that background. Do you want to kind of touch on that and how that has helped you, I guess, immerse yourself in the Latinx culture? Yes. So since Filipinos are classified as Latin American Asians, basically Asians who descended from um, Latin America, Latin America. Um, basically, my mom um, has uh, is fully Filipina, and she has lived in Manila, which is the capital city of the Philippines, her entire life before meeting my my dad. And as a kid, I was very lucky to travel every summer to the Philippines and meet her side of the family. And I think that really helped me. Um, identify with the Filipino community and also just embrace my heritage as well um, and just what it has to offer because it really is an amazing country and I'm so proud to like be a part of it. Yeah, and I think that's another side of the history that people don't talk to us talk about as much, you know, because mm-hmm. that was such a big thing, like the Spanish American War and everything. And okay. you hear all these people. Like I had a professor who her last name was Castro, so Professor Castro. And mm-hmm. before I met her, I was like, oh, maybe she's you know from a South American country or something like you know Spanish speaking. But she was from yep. the Philippines, yep. and she talked about that how her parents had to go through that and how you know she made like physically look like someone who comes from an Asian country, but she also speaks Spanish and she also knows all of that. Yeah, I was really lucky to have um, have learned Spanish in my high school and university as well. Uh, my mom doesn't know any Spanish at all, but I w- I've been trying to practice as well. And um, also, also, I've been trying to learn Tagalog more, which is like, it's similar to Spanish, which is also shows how Um, the Spanish history plays a part in the Filipino history, which is really cool. Yeah, wait, that's really cool that you're trying to learn that because I remember um, it took like a linguistic class and we talked about like the similar phonetics in each language, but it's obviously a different language. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Do you know any other languages? Um, I've been trying to improve my Arabic. It's not doing so well since I've gotten back, but um, since like I'm going to be improving more since I've just gotten back. And what else? I've, I, I know a bit of Japanese because I spent a summer in Tokyo before um, and no one speaks English. So I was basically forcing myself to learn the language. And it's an amazing, amazing um, language to learn. I highly recommend anyone to learn that. So I know English, Spanish, 
tiny bit of French um, and some Japanese as well. Wow. So multifaceted. I also feel like that (laughs) kind of adds to your whole like multicultural perspective and how important that is for you to grow Mm -hmm. up. Like when now you're in Saudi Arabia, right? And you just said that you when did you fly over like this past weekend, correct? I arrived two two nights ago, actually. Okay. Wow. So still so recent. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, and that I guess that also is helpful in kind of embracing your multicultural background. And do you how important is that for you as you move to like all these different places? Because I know you when you told me a little bit about yourself, you said that you've been here and there and everywhere. And I was just like, whoa, that's so cool. But I guess it's pretty important to keep that like going, right? Yeah, it definitely is. I like I've been I, I'm so grateful I'm able to travel to these places, but I also think it's, it is important to embrace uh, multiculturalism because I truly think it encourages dialogue often between like radically different cultures that have radically different perspectives. I mean, in my case, Saudi Arabia is 8,000 kilometers away from the Philippines. They're different. They're both different in many ways, Yeah, but it allowed me to recognize um, and embrace their differences in order to have more unity with both of them. So in general, I think um, multiculturalism should be a cornerstone in education nowadays, especially um, for the future generation, just because I truly believe it's an antidote for ignorance, especially. Yeah, Yeah. and speaking of... No, yeah, I agree. And I I feel like even though we see all of this stuff happening now in today's society, like the education system is very like in a for lack of better terms, it's still very whitewashed and it's still yeah. going to be like systemically the same, maybe for even decades to come. But I feel like all of the conversations that are happening outside of the education system are, is kind of what helps people, you know, break through that ignorance, if you will. Exactly. And I know we still have a long way to go, but from my wit, from what we've witnessed this past year, I think that it's slowly getting there and it's slowly improving. Yeah. And speaking of education, girl, you are so smart. Like, (laughs) I feel like you've done so much in the STEM field and you've done now you're working towards your master's. Is that correct? Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. So I was studying. I was struggling a little bit in undergrad because I I loved so many different fields. I loved architecture. I loved economics. I loved international relations. And then I just stuck with computer science and economics because to me, they were the most challenging and stimulating. And I like, I love solving puzzles. So that's what really, um, what was really uh, driving me is just like learning all about these different um, global phenomenons and um, international trade and all of that. And um I did apply for my master's for at Columbia University and it's uh, technology management. And it is part-time because I'm currently going to start working as a consultant soon. And um, that should be really exciting. I haven't done management consulting before. I have done technical consulting in the past, which is more coding and um, software engineering style. But this is a relatively new field for me that I'm really excited to get into. So do you see, I mean, I know you're still brand new to that field, but just in overall, like the STEM side of things, have you seen that it's kind of challenging to find other women, you know, Um, how has that experience been for you? 
So when I first started with technical consulting at um, this firm called Oracle, I was the only new girl in the team, the newly recruited team. And it was kind of um, like strange to me at first, but I knew that it was kind of, especially in the Middle East, um, women were kind of, it was kind of stigmatized for women to work in this STEM field, like engineering, computer science. It wasn't very common, but I, it's what I enjoyed doing. And I wasn't going to let that um, that convention of, oh, women should be stay at home, should be staying at home and working in like very simple and unchallenging fields. That's not what I was about. So um, working in a technical field as one of the only women, it was tough, but I read this book. It's called Lean In by Sarah something. And she's an amazing author. And she was just saying how you should really, as, as a woman, you should really push yourself to step onto more um, pivotal and executive roles. And that's what I wanted in my career is just really, um, really read the room and kind of push yourself and, hey, I have this to offer. I'm not just some some girl who is like trying to break into um, into a new field. No, I have something that I can contribute and I want to showcase that. Yeah. So not just like being in the room, but having a seat at the table sort of field. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like also, I don't know, maybe it's just like you said, what we are used to hearing that you feel like sometimes like little girls probably are like, I don't even know if that's something possible for me. But it's cool that you were like, OK, I'm going to be in that space. Exactly. And I was really lucky as well at my university. My professors really pushed me and um, with the with computer science. And I was lucky enough to be a teaching assistant to a few of the professors. And they told me that you really have an advantage as a woman, just because um, there's not a lot of women in the STEM field at the minute. So I think you should take advantage of that and really push yourself to um, go into that field. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I'm helping my little cousin right now who's um, applying for universities and stuff that she's looking for. She wants to do nursing, so she's looking for scholarships. And there's actually a lot for people that don't know, like if because there isn't a lot of women that want to do, you know, engineering, nursing, things like that. So there's a lot of resources available, which is kind of awesome that it's growing because I feel like. I don't know, a couple years back, even when my sister was applying, which is like a long time ago, there wasn't as many resources as there is now. I think that's cool because you also see other organizations starting little clubs for people literally like elementary school kids to go in and practice like engineering projects or things like that. Exactly. And I think it's so important to diversify um, to encourage uh, people to diversify from their major because I was stuck in architecture at the beginning, but if I wasn't taking classes in computer science, I would have never have discovered like, wow, I could make my own app or I can learn about cybersecurity and stuff like that. So I really, um, I really admire the universities and programs that really um, push students to try different things as well. Yeah, I think that's another thing that I was thinking about when you were um, kind of explaining what you were doing, because I feel Mm -hmm. like movies, TVs or whatever you have, like, you know, mainstream media has, you know, the coding, the top level 
um, jobs. You know, people, I guess, sometimes don't understand that there's more to it. Like you could be someone that does just analytics or you could be someone that just helps with the research. Um, So was that kind of groundbreaking for you or you you kind of already knew that? So going... um going into the technical consulting field, I was really lucky that my manager was very transparent with the projects I was going to be assigned with. He was like, okay, what are your strengths? What kind of um, work do you want to be assigned to? Do you want to do more project management? Do you want to do more um, database security? So I just was very clear on what I really wanted to explore. So for me in particular, I really wanted to work in cybersecurity because I think it's very vital nowadays, like especially with um, with everything being online, it's really important for um, everyone's safety, like to eliminate any viruses or security attacks. So I was very lucky to be on several projects that really developed me as a software engineer and learn more about that wait that's really cool was there anything Mm -hmm. like during your undergrad experience or just you know whatever you in school did you have like a dream internship or a dream company or is that where you are now like you're like this is exactly where I wanted to be so it, it changed a lot just because I did shift subjects a lot but my dream internship was in Tokyo and I managed to get it it was basically the best summer of my life. So I knew, I knew Tokyo was basically an alien planet that might be exaggerating, but it was just next level, um, next level technical, like engineering software stuff. It was just, I, I I would walk to the shop and there would be robots greeting me and asking what, what would I like to buy? It was so bizarre. It was amazing. And I was able to work there for around three months whilst learning Japanese. Um, And it was really amazing. And I got an offer to work, to continue working for them. But I wanted to finish my education and perhaps do my master's as well. So um, I'm still in touch with my manager there till this day and they're all so warm and friendly and I miss it so much. Yeah, it's important to keep those relationships alive because you never know when it's going to be helpful down the line. But speaking of masters, you said you wanted to continue that. Was that a difficult process for you to apply? Um, I know I'm just, I guess, curious since you have been all over and like having to do those transcripts and stuff. Maybe someone that has the same similar background is curious as well. It- Yeah, that's a great question. So I was actually thinking about doing master's right after graduation, but my dad really encouraged me to actually get hands works, hands on experience first working the technical field because relatively the the software engineering space is evolving so quickly. And usually what they teach you in undergrad under undergrad is not up to date. It's quite obsolete. So I wanted to actually apply that practice into real life projects. So I was like, okay, I'll push back my master's for one or two years, however long, and go working at, go work at Oracle for a while. So I think everything plays out as it should. So now I'm able to get, I was accepted to a great master's program at the right time. And I think it all worked out for the best. Yeah, obviously you can tell that, you know, things are falling in place. But you mentioned your dad. Mm -hmm. Were your parents ever like, you need to do something in the STEM field or whatever? Or would you, okay, that's awesome. Because sometimes, you know, parents push you. 
So, yeah, I know, I know some, some, some parents do pressure their children. Oh, you should, you should be a lawyer. You should be a doctor and all these different fields. But my dad knew that if you're passionate about something, the money will come later. Like for a while I was, so I grew up really into arts and painting. And my dad was like, if you're actually making um, a good living out of it, selling your paintings, you can do this full time, most likely. But um, I knew I wanted to do painting on the side and focus more on my consulting career. And I mean, if if consulting doesn't work out, I can always go back to painting. But I knew I wanted to challenge myself analytically and professionally in the future. And um, he supported that, which is which is great. And like you said, I think for the arts, it's always something that's going to be there. So you might as well do it for this, like on the side, right? Like, why not bring in two streams of income? (laughs) Exactly. I agree. (laughs) And my other question is now you mentioned Tokyo, you mentioned the U.S., Saudi Arabia. How is it living in all these different places? Like, what are the main differences you see, similarities? I know it's probably like... The culture the main thing right because i feel like in america everyone's like in indi- we're we are an individualistic country compared to a collectivist so mm-hmm. what's your perspective yeah so that's what really what quite shocked me coming to the states was everyone was very um overworked and every and very individualistic as you said but i think I'm, I'm quite an adventurous person so it doesn't really scare me to go to a new place and learn all about what it has to offer. So I, I really enjoy traveling to those places. And I think it also helps as a family growing up, we always travel together and during our holidays. So I think it was embedded in me from the start. Um, but it's always fun to see like the differences and how, how like the world is so much bigger than you expect it. And it has so much to offer. And that's what I would encourage like my children one day is like just explore as much as you can and try to be fearless when you're traveling because to be honest um when I was going to go to Tokyo I was kind of scared to go just because I didn't know the language but I adapted very quickly and learned Japanese within a matter of months so it's 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 really easy relatively to travel and learn and adapt to the different lifestyle that's awesome. Yeah, I think op- that also opens your mind to new opportunities and, you know, things that you probably didn't even know existed. Exactly. And I think like experience is the best teacher, like more so better than in a classroom. I believe that. And I always I in my university, they always um, encouraged us to study abroad as well, which everyone who studied abroad, most of my friends did. They they didn't regret it at all. And they learned so much from it. Yeah, I feel like also, you know, you're not going to learn if you don't push yourself to be in uncomfortable places, you know, because then you're going to be in the same place and kind of regretting it maybe later on. Exactly. You should be comfortable with being uncomfortable because just by pushing your limits, you you will like you'd be able to realize um, and discover like different fields that you wouldn't have inherently learned about before. And I think that's what I would take away from my university experience if I wasn't able to explore different um, subjects and um, topics, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. And so I guess another question to piggyback off that is if someone listening wants to kind of go through the same process or is curious about software engineering, things like that, how did you go about 
kind of mapping out your route, you know, finding the university that you like and then actually looking at all these different internships in different countries. Because I feel like as someone who whose parents didn't go to school in the U.S., like I had to figure mm-hmm. that out myself. Thankfully, I had brothers and sisters who were older than me and already went through that process. But then again, they did, you know, teaching and political science. And then I was like, oh, let me do like public relations, you know. So how was that yeah. navigating for you? Um, just by interconnecting with so many different people, um, just a lot of networking and research. So I was fortunate enough to, um, reach out to some of my friends who have done study abroad or have worked at certain companies that I was interested in. So I would ask them for, um, some tips or advice for applying for it, but also just, um, showcase your, your individualistic um, character, because I think what everyone's been trying to do is showcase like the same thing. I think trying to portray yourself as somebody with um, a very unique personality and uh, also having a strong self-concept of what you want to achieve and that you're very willing to learn. I think that's what a lot of recruiters um, love the most is that you're willing to learn um, you're a team worker and also um, also a very hard worker. And I think that plays a, a role in the long term, if anything. Yeah, that sounds good. I think that's good advice in literally just like any field as well, because you, you kind of, in a way, you're competing with a bunch of other people. So you have to make yourself stand out, right? It is. Yeah, it is very competitive. But I would always say, Um, there's this quote that some of my friends use, they say like fake it till you make it. So like, if you like fake confidence, you will be confident eventually. So I just think like imagining your future role, it's, it does, it's kind of like manifestation in a way it'll eventually come to you. And I truly believe that. Yeah, I mean, look at you now. That's where you are now. I'm sure they helped out a lot. (laughs) But I I had to ask. So you went to UVA. um, What was your favorite thing about like the DMV area? Uh, Did you spend any time in DC? Yeah, so DC was, I think, two hour drive away. So not that far. But UVA was such a like, it was such a close knit community, like no one would want to travel anywhere else to other universities, because we were all Um, the social life is very big at UVA and everyone was always supporting each other, but they're also very hardworking. I'm just like, how do you get straight A's? But I see you partying until like 5am and it's just incredible. Like the people are just incredible. And I still keep in touch with so many people to this day. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I never visited, but I had a friend who went there and I was like, wow, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. And the campus is beautiful. I think they were rated, they were ranked like top three beautiful campuses in the U.S., which I'm like super proud of. You're like, yep, that's my school. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I had another question for you, just kind of tying it back to the Latinx community. So are, mm-hmm. are you interested in learning about cultures? That's my question. Since, you know, you probably sound like someone who's interested in all of the travel attached to it and you do speak the language and you have this background with your mom. But how is that um, in terms of like your own intellectual, I guess, just wanders? Yeah, I I've always I've always loved exploring different cultures. I mean, just traveling does play a part in it. But I think that, like I said, it's really important to 
for me to identify as multicultural just because it does open make myself more open-minded but also as um as a as an art lover myself i always try to incorporate um some cultural matters or issues into my work so i think like one of my last works was just showing how women in the middle east were sometimes um repressed into like more restricted in certain roles um just because like i don't know if you know but um women used to not be able to drive in saudi arabia and thank god we're now allowed to get driver's license but i just wanted to explore and highlight certain cultural matters around the world if i can um throughout my art but learning more about it is also a big priority for me i mean now with covid it's hard to do so just cuz everything's kind of closed off but hopefully when we're all vaccinated and the borders open up i hope to um continue that yeah wait so can you talk a little bit more about your art i'm curious so you have do you sell it do you do commission work what what's your kind of mission with that yeah so i actually just revived my art instagram it's called design.by dot dalia um if you want to check it out but basically i've been painting since probably since i was like 8 um just cuz i did i studied fine arts in high school and we had an exhibition and then some people bought some of my artworks as well and i'm like huh maybe i can actually sell more of my art so um a lot of my friends family friends and mutual friends requested um certain artworks to be painted which i did and at one point i was actually making more painting than from my salary at oracle and my dad's like hmm maybe you can do this full time you don't wow. maybe like in the future so um yeah and it's something i enjoy and it's what's cool about it is that my little brother and little sister are also artists they paint a lot um and i don't know maybe we can make a family business <laughs> one day um but i always loved painting and um just like i don't have a theme with painting but um i cuz i just love exploring different uh different subjects and um theme matters with that do you do like um watercolors and oils or it's a mixture yeah, of everything it's mainly it's mainly oils and acrylic but i'm also trying to get back into watercolor it is a bit trickier i'm just i'm more used to oil painting because i can create like a really big canvas with oil painting which is what most of my clients like um but we'll see that's awesome wait so are your brother and sister also um kind of having that like divide too with uh, being creative and also wanting to do something in the sciences or not really no so i'm the only nerd in the family <laughs> my little sister is actually in parsons school of art which she's studying um a mixture of art and management um or sorry um design and management and she's looking into working um well right now she's applying to the Met Museum in New York City cuz that's where she studies so I'm helping her with her applications for that that's awesome and my little brother is i would say he's more on the artistic side i think he's more artsy than me actually cuz he he's been taking professional painting classes and it's cool that he's actually in the higher level graduate classes they allowed him to enroll in those classes and um he's winning a lot of art competitions right now which is great for him um 
but yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we all have a similar interest. Wow, that's awesome. A very talented family. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So I guess now at the end of every episode, it's been really cool to hear about your background, by the way. But um, at the end of every episode, I ask everyone to kind of share their favorite food. Um, It doesn't have to be specifically from your country, but you know, as well as your favorite artist. Okay, so so artist, do you mean like a painter artist or singer artist? It can be anything. Either. Yeah, a lot of people usually just Ooh. share like their singer artist, but whatever you like, since I know you're artistic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, a singer artist that comes to mind, just because I did see him at Coachella, was Jay Balvin. And he was probably had one of my famous, my favorite um, performances in the whole festival. Yes, he's and awesome. Then, he's amazing um and then a favorite dish um okay since i'm gonna say one from saudi and one from the philippines um one from saudi arabia would be it's called kabsa so it's basically it's a delicious blend of um basmati rice cooked with a variety of like meats vegetable and spices and it's literally everyone's go-to here in saudi arabia like it's probably the first meal you'll get here it sounds yummy and then it's so good and my favorite dessert from the philippines um it's called halo halo so it's basically this um the base is crushed ice and then on top there's like so many colorful toppings like red jelly like coconut fresh coconut and this purple ice cream it's in the flavor ube which is a very very common filipino flavor um and it's just so refreshing and delicious, especially on a hot day in the Philippines, because in the Philippines, it does get very hot. Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah, what does it taste great. like? What does that flavor taste like? I've never heard of it before. Um, so halo halo, it's main, it's, it's a very sweet dessert. So it's, it's, I love it because you get a bit of everything. It's not just like the same flavor. You can dip a bit into the ice cream, but you can dip a bit into um, like, uh, have you ever had boba tea before? Yeah. You know, the tapioca pearls, they'll like put some of that on top. Ah, okay. Um, what else? It's, it's like, it's like a surprise festival in a dessert. Like there's so much going on, but I love it. It's a good mixture <laughs> of everything. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Do you want to share where people can find you? Or I know you said you were working on your own little project as well. Do you want to share it with everyone? Sure. So my Instagram is just my full name, Dahlia.Motmina. Um, and my art Instagram is designed by Dahlia and it's separated by two full stops in between. Yay. Thank you so much, Dahlia. I really enjoyed hearing your story. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me, Dominica. Of course. That's going to be it for today's episode. Again, thanks so much for listening. Please make sure you follow us on Instagram at Pod. That's P-O-D. And again, don't forget to tune in every Wednesday for a new episode to learn more about La Mezcla Más Rica.